Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Our next guest spent several years in the NHL uh, as a goaltender. Uh, he has been off-mentioned over the course of the last two months with rumors and as a president or manager uh, with a couple Sunbelt markets, one in Arizona, one in Florida, and he's currently with the NHL Network. He is our Oilers now headliner for touchback safety from fall protection to forklift training. Trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Uh, your safety is their goal. We welcome back to the show Kevin Weeks. Hello, Kevin. How are you? I'm great, Stock. How are you doing, man? How's everybody doing back in uh, Berta right now? How's, well, how's everybody going? We're okay. It was a little weird last night being at the Eastern Conference Final Game 1. i got to tell you that. It had been 20 years since I've been at an Eastern Conference playoff game. But uh, uh, Tampa looked good. But these are, as you know, Kevin, these are very unique times. I know the league announced something uh, with you and Anson Carter, I guess, Wednesday or Thursday uh, in terms of an initiative that you're taking up uh, with the National Hockey League as well. Very, very unique times, aren't they? Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Doc. Yeah, very unique times. I mean, it's been a crazy year for everybody. Um, I mean, what a wild year. So unpredictable. It's it's a year we never thought we'd see. But we're just trying to be as, as flexible as we can and stay as positive as we can. That's the main thing right now. Yeah, uh, and, and I don't want you to, you know, I don't know how much you can say about what the league has sort of worked on. Uh, we, we do have the Hockey Diversity Alliance that's out there with guys like Akeem Alou and Evander Kane, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Dumba. Uh, but I know that Gary has uh, certainly, and you've sort of hinted to this in the past, he's he's always given you, you know, wanted, wanted your feedback and input on some things, and Anson Carter as well. Uh, so what's going on from the league perspective that you could share with us at this time? Yeah, funny you ask. We just got off a, a, a league town hall uh, for several hours, probably two two hours and a half, if not. And you know, Commissioner Bettman was leading it, uh, but Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly was on it. I mean, all the senior executives at the league level, Kim Davis, our president of DEI and social affairs and social impact at the league, she was also leading it. And Anson and I got to speak on it, and it was great. I mean, the, the good thing, it was very clear, it was very concise, it was very impassioned from a lot of us that were on the call starting with commissioner bettman uh, there's a lot of transparency and quite frankly i think one of the best things that came across in that was that it, this is heartfelt and it's heartfelt not only for those of us directly that have been at times on the wrong side of uh, of treatment as a result of you know color gender religion anything else of that nature sexual orientation right. but also too it was heartfelt from from other people that maybe indirectly have been impacted, but not, not always directly. And when that's coming from the commissioner, that goes a long way. It certainly does. So a lot of the things that we're going to do internally, a lot of the executive training that they're going to do at the league and at the club level for senior executives um, at different levels throughout the employee structure, um, continuing to have a zero tolerance policy in all the arenas across the league. Uh, across our league, rather, including NHL Seattle, that comes in as a 32nd franchise. But yeah, 
But then, in addition to that, doing a lot of stuff that'll cascade down from the NHL level to, you know, your feeder leagues, the dub, all major junior at home back in Canada, junior here in the States, uh, U.S. college hockey, and then all hockey Canada and USA hockey. And, you know, stop. you and I have talked about this before. You know, we don't want to lose any more girls and boys, um, you know, or, or people that play adult rec hockey because they feel like a local arena in Red Deer or, you know, in, in St. Albert or wherever it is, they feel like it's it's not inclusive to them. You know, we, it, nobody should have to. The sport's hard enough and it's challenging enough to play. Right. It's hard enough for parents to, to commit the way my parents did to to work hard and to work overtime and to play a really pricey sport to bring their sons and daughters and granddaughters and grandkids to the rink or nieces and nephews or siblings. That, that takes a major commitment. And you don't want to traumatize anybody uh, because you know their grandparent wears a turban, or their their uh, their aunt or uncle that's bringing them to the rink is fresh from Ireland. They have a really thick Irish accent. Like those aren't reasons that anybody should ever be mistreated or be made to feel unwelcome. And as I said, it's already a hard enough sport to play. It was hard enough for me to stop pucks, uh, and and you yeah. know the older you got, the harder guys shot them. You didn't need uh, any other added ammunition of of things and any other needless challenges to overcome to prove that you're tough or you're tenacious or you want to play the game. So uh, I really thought that was awesome. And just thinking to all the kids and for the listeners out there, um, for a lot of the young kids that are playing minor hockey back home or here in the States and stuff, you just want it to be a positive experience. You're still going to have your wins and losses. You're still going to have your hard life lessons, but you never want those lessons to come uh, at the expense of, of somebody's background or their gender or their sexual orientation. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to me because there is the Hockey Diversity Alliance, but your your group that's from the league is working, you know, as a as a league entity, uh, which I would assume means there's still going to be a lot of uh, back and forth with the HDA as well. Is that correct? Yeah, no, you're spot on with that. Yeah, there'll be a lot of collaboration. I think the HDA really, you know, I can't really speak for all those guys, although I know all of them well and. Three or four of them came to my hockey camp as kids, I, I would say. But it, it really just came out of, of being tired of being tired, really, and, and being tired of of having some of these things happen in society that cross over into hockey. And, and you know, our hockey culture, for the great things that we love about it, sometimes it's too insular. You know, we love it being insular and protective, but sometimes we do that at the expense of, of people that, might come, as I mentioned, from a different background or a different part of the world or a different part of the country or their parents may have or too many vowels in their last name for somebody or whatever the case may be. So I know the HDA, that was a big part of just their their repeated frustration and they felt as though they wanted to do something and, and create a solution. But those two things, um, being the HDA and then the NHL, they don't have to necessarily be mutually exclusive because we need a lot of different thinkers in the room and a lot of different people that have different perspectives or maybe feel the same way about something but their roadmap to that is uh is a somebody else's might be b and you might be able to dovetail that in a way to to get you to that ideal uh that ideal landmark if you will and to create that change so it's going to be more collaborative than it is divisive and that's what's most important well i think that's uh, what we all need right now we're joined right now by kevin weeks from the nhl network and Kevin, every every week it seems like your name's getting mentioned. A couple, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think Elliot Friedman had you in the mix potentially in Florida. We've also heard Arizona. Uh, without uh, you know divulging too much, 
What, you know, what's that experience been like going in and, and meeting owners and uh, about pr- prospective jobs? How, how cool and unique of a scenario has that been for you? Well, I mean, here's the it's funny, the question. Uh, I've been a hockey a rink rat since I was a kid, and anybody for the people uh, that know me, it's, it's always about the sport. It's always about the game. It's always about the league. Long before I got here, you know, um, I couldn't get enough hockey before I had skates. As I mentioned, my winter Cougar boots on the outdoor rinks at the parks back in Toronto. I mean, even when I go visit um, my girl's side of the family, go to Alberta, we go, we're in Banff and we're, we're skating on the outdoor rink at the Banff Springs. Um, you know, we go to the different rinks in Elbow Park and stuff in Calgary. So I'm a rink rat, period. But what's kind of come to this point, at least as some of these things have presented themselves, is it's really just another vein and another avenue for the game and to serve the game. So for me, I did it as a player. I do it as a broadcaster analyst, and then now in this potential vein, um, potentially of, of being a team president and or GM and running a club, it's been an interesting process. And some of these conversations have been interesting. For the most part, uh, the teams that I spoke to, they've, they've been great, and they've been very, uh, very open-minded and very curious and, and also very welcoming, too, which I wasn't sure what that process would be like because... If and or when this is something that happens, I'd be making history as, you know, the first black senior executive in an NHL front office, be it a team president or GM, as I did on TV as, as an analyst. So uh, the appetite for, for those that I've spoken to, it's been open. And, you know, for the most part, I, I like the fact that they welcome creativity and a little bit of different thinking and maybe a little more contemporary it's kind of unique for me because there's still guys in this league that I played with and they're against. <laughs> and there's no better way to know players than yeah. to play with and or against them. <laughs> you stop, you and I talk about that. So, you know, I, I know what person or player A's practice habits are like or, you know, his training or commitment to the game or are they all in, in hockey? Are they a rink rat like me or are they kind of like what hockey can provide? Those are important things to know and to distinguish. And then, uh, you know, from that, what's helped, too, is I'm playing in different markets and playing on both sides of the border and living in both countries. There's a fluency there. So, you know, for me, uh, rolling my sleeves up to go and, you know, I'm going to use this as an example, but we have family in Red Deer and I said in Calgary, it, it would be nothing for me to fly from, I don't know, place A into Edmonton and go on a scouting trip in the dub and go watch Red Deer. You know, I played for Brent Sutter. He owns Red Deer and go watch Medicine Hat and go watch the Hitman or go watch the, uh, the Oil Kings or whatever, not every senior executive is willing to do that. I would be willing to, <laughs> I would definitely be willing to do that. You know, I'd be willing to do that in my old stomping grounds in the OHL too, and not only in, in and around the Toronto area where I'm from, but be it Sudbury, you know, Corey Stillman's coaching there. Go up to Sault Ste. Marie, you know, go up to to North Bay. It's just and really just traverse the globe to find players and to find good people to be a part of the organization. So uh, I'm all in for that if it's the right opportunity with the right ownership group that, you know, where there's a synergy and we believe in the same things and we're committed to doing the same things. Uh, it's 144 in Edmonton. We're joined by our headliner today, longtime uh, NHL goaltender Kevin Weeks. He spent 11 years in the league, 348 NHL appearances. He's now with the NHL Network. Uh, Kevin, the philosophy of drafting, and you were a second-round pick back in 1993, and I, hey, there's mm-hmm. lots. Uh, you don't often see goalies go in the top 15 of the draft. Obviously, Montreal hit the home run with Carey Price. Uh, Tampa Bay 
good late first round pick uh, when they took Vasilevsky. What would your theory be on drafting a guy like As- uh, Askarov, the Russian netminder, this year? Um, mm. w- would you hesitate in knowing how long it takes goalies to develop? There, it takes them a little bit longer. Would you hesitate in drafting a, a goal? Would you? Would you have any hesitation in taking a goaltender, say, in the top 15 of the draft? Great question, Stoff. Here's what I would say. So let me kind of phrase this for you, or frame it, rather. So Terry Price, you know, once in a, in a lifetime, once in a generational goalie, right? Yeah. I remember when he was playing in Tri-Cities in the dub. Uh, I remember Ole Kolzik, who had a great career, as you'd know, uh, for the Washington Capitals. And Ole and Stu Barnes, who I played with, those guys played in Tri-Cities, so they, they were part owners of Tri-City. And I remember... During one of our work stoppages, I think it was 04, if I'm not mistaken, or, or maybe it was a later one, but um, I remember Foley saying, we see this this Carey Price kid's money. Like, he could play in the NHL now. He's 16. He's that good. <laughs> so, so I mean, that's a pretty unique case, right? And, and hence, Trevor Timmons, who was the director of amateur scouting for Montreal, done an amazing job for them. He was adamant that they draft him, and he knocked out of the park. But in, in case of Askarov for this upcoming draft, for example – I've spoken to a lot of my friends. I got buddies that I grew up with and played with and grew up with in Toronto that coach in the in the KHL. There's other guys I played with in the NHL that coach there. The great Nikolai Habibulin, who a lot of you know from Edmonton, sure. who I played with in Tampa. I've been in touch with Habib a lot around FGAR since World Juniors till now. So would I take a goalie that highly? I think a lot of it would, be, would depend on where the team sat in terms of you know what the depth chart looked like. And uh, and where an organization stood, if I was you know running a club, but if all the boxes are ticked and it makes all the sense for the right reasons, I'm taking the best player available. And if it happens to be a tender, and he's that good and that advanced and checks all the boxes, I would definitely not hesitate to take one that high if they tick all the boxes. I wouldn't do it just because. Uh, I wouldn't do a default, and nor would I not draft a player just because. But if it ticked all the boxes, stuff. Uh, not necessarily Afgarab or anybody else, but if it ticked all the boxes, I certainly would do it. Yeah, just uh, on Carey Price, I know that uh, Carter Hart is basically, oh. since Carey Price has come out, he's he's been the only goalie out of the WHL that anyone's even discussed as being close to that. Right, and uh, this one will make you laugh. We had Derek Roy with the Oilers in 2014-15, yeah. and I'd gone in. We were in Pittsburgh, and I uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I met some guys at the bar from Edmonton, and I said, "Hey, do you guys want to go watch McDavid play in Erie tonight?" Because uh, we right. it was the day, day before a game. Like these guys were on this road trip. They, I knew they had a car, so they could drive me in there because I was too cheap to rent Mark. one from the own. Right, so <laughs> so we go to. So I tell Derek Roy the next day. I said, "Yeah, I went to go yeah. see uh, McDavid play." And he goes, "Well, I skated with him." in the summer i go yeah you mentioned that before and uh i go he goes what did you think i go i think he's going to be able to be pretty productive he goes what are you talking about (laughs) and i and and i go why he's obviously you know a special player and i looked at him and i go all right Derek. you know how many points would he have and he goes bob this year in 14 15 if he'd been in the league this year he would have had 75 points in the nhl a year ahead of his draft so (laughs) so that always makes me chuckle one final one for you here Kevin, one yeah. more final question. Sure. Miko Miko Koskinen had a nine seventeen save percentage, pretty good save percentage. You know, got three appearances in the playoffs. Would like to have had a couple goals back. Does Edmonton uh, does Edmonton need to upgrade in goal? In your opinion? I mean, I would certainly 
be open to it if I was uh, Kenny. You know, Kenny's done such an amazing job as a senior guy who built Detroit. Now, not not on his own, but he had great people. But Kenny's amazing. He did a great job in Detroit. And now he's uh, starting to turn over that Oilers team, as you guys know. You guys had a big year. Would I look at upgrading or the possibility? Sure, I'd be open to it. I mean, you look at the marketplace. You've got uh, you got Braden Holpe coming on the market this year. You know, he's he's a Western kid, played in the Dub, Stanley Cup winner, played internationally for Team Canada. Great pro, great guy. Uh, do, you, do you look at a guy like him and, and see if he has any appetite to return back home to play? Perhaps. I mean, how could you not? I mean, you certainly yeah. kick the tires on that. Are you looking at, uh, can you fit a guy like Robin Leonard? I mean, what, what will the market give Robin Leonard? Is Vegas able to resign him? Well, how about this one for a curveball? What if they? What if Vegas does resign Robin Leonard? And what if Marc-Andre Fleury somehow sees that it's a different landscape and wants to be traded? And you mm-hmm. guys have a unique opportunity to maybe pounce on Marc-Andre Fleury. And do you pay the full freight? I'm not sure. Does Vegas retain some salary? Maybe. But that's you know, a future Hall of Famer. That's won three cups, been to four, and yep. might get to another one here with Vegas. Series. Been, the Flowers been in the playoffs 14 straight years. I mean, that's unheard of, especially now in a cap era, too. So He's a, he's a he's top. A, he's been a top five goal in the league the last decade. The, I mean, Jack totally. Michael says he's better than Carey Price. I disagree. I still think Price is better, but he's he's a right. top three goalie the last decade. Top he three totally goalie is. the last decade. 100%. Like, there's no, I mean, come on. Or do you pluck Markstrom? Like, is Van in a, in a different situation now? Do you go one province over? Yep. And do you pluck Markstrom because Thatcher Demko has been overripe, and you saw how overripe he was by how great he played when he got in the net when Marcus sure. got hurt the last couple of games. So, uh, I mean, if you're looking at something a little bit bigger, you're looking at one of those guys. If you're looking at a tweak or a compliment, um, you know, are you looking at Thomas Grice? Are you looking at Kudobin on a two-year basis? I mean, the market's going to be flooded this year. So you're certainly going to have options to be able to complement and or significantly upgrade if they so choose. There's no question about that, but you know, I think all things being equal, and, and Soph, I know you and I talk about this off, off air a lot, the Oilers are in a good spot right now, and they're in a better spot than they've been in years. I really like their team. You know, I think that they I think that they need some of their big players, not, not Connor and Dreisaitl, but I think they could use some of their other big players to step up, and, and they probably will this next go-round in the playoffs. But, hey, man, they went from worst power play to first in the league. At times, the penalty kill was the best in the league this year. I think Tip did a really nice job with their group. They were more professional. Um, and Sop, as you and I talked about, Gretz is really excited about their team, too. So if 99's excited about your team, you're kind of cooking with gas. You're on the right track. Hey, Kevin, we appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us right after the meeting today. And uh, best of luck, uh, whichever direction uh, the future endeavors happen. And uh, we'll look forward to touching base down the road, okay? Appreciate you, Stoff, always, man. And thanks to all the great fans out there in Bird. I hope everybody's doing well. That is Kevin Weeks from the NHL Network. When we come back, uh, actually, Brendan, do, we, do we, you want me to just go straight through to 55, 56? What do you want to do here, man? Jump in. We've, We've got, got plenty of time to take a break here. Let's take a timeout. Hi, this is Mike Smith from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. 
154 in Edmonton. A quick text here in our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Uh, Robin Bradley on talking about the Oilers 06 run. This texter comes in and says, Bob McTavish out, Coach Babcock in round one back in 06. They expected the Oilers to come out and try to run them out of the building, and Mac T played the trap. Uh, McTavish had a good handle on that team and knew when to decompress the team. I actually think he did a better job in 07-08, keeping the Oilers in the hunt. Um, Craig Metavish was a good coach. I don't think he was a great coach. I think he was a good coach. A lot of fans think he was a great coach. However, a lot of fans don't think he was a very good manager, and I actually think he was a better manager than people give him credit for. He made the tough decision that didn't work out on Aikens for Kruger that backfired and short-circuited a bit, but he made a per you know, as a general manager, take a look at his, his first-round picks in 13-14. Those were two pretty good picks. Um, Brew Crew says, Bob, it's great to hear hockey uh, profile on some racial issues. Uh, Kevin was very articulate. Who cares about what your birth certificate says? You can play NHL as leading, Canada as leading on this issue. Great interview. Well, I do think that there's some open, like, my experience being around the today's players is they're more sensitive to this stuff than ever before. I mean, I, I don't think there's... And it will continue down that path. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for many of their list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza from the app, the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is the Mediterranean chicken. To this day in Oilers history, what do you got, Brendan? All right, back in 2000, Oilers re-signed Captain Doug Waite to a one-year $4.3 million contract. He scored 90 points in 82 games and then was traded the following summer to St. Louis for Johan Hecht, Marty Reisner, and Jan uh, Horacek or Horacek? Uh, Horacek. Horacek. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, Hesch wasn't a bad player. Reisner was a third liner. That reminds me a bit of uh, Dylan Holloway. Reminds me a bit of Marty Reasoner. He's up for the draft this year. Uh, Doug Waite was a terrific player. The owners had Doug Waite and Bill Guerin, and those guys made every effort to fit in as American-born players into the environment, the culture of uh, of what hockey means here in a uh, place like Edmonton. That's got a two-hour show called Oilers now. Uh, Reed Wilkins says inside sports tonight. What does he have, Brendan? Yeah, you're going to hear from Rob Brown. Uh, you'll meet a fan of the Edmonton, uh, the EE football team, who kept a Labor Day. Tra- tradition alive by tailgating at McMahon Stadium in Calgary, despite there not being a game. Uh, interesting stuff coming up then. Tomorrow's guests will include Brian Lawton from the NHL Network, David Staples from the Cult of Hockey, and NHL insider John Shannon. Special thanks again to Kevin Weeks from the NHL Network. Robin Brownlee, uh, heavily involved, longtime Edmonton-based writer, currently writing for the Oilers Nation, and heavily involved in community initiatives, and Mark Spector, Sportsnet Spec. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 630 Chad Afternoons with Jalen I. So long, everybody. I kind of lose my mind. It's not the perfume that you wear. It's not the ribbons in your Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.